you've got your Bible, I'd love you to turn to Mark 4, Mark 4, 35. And I'm going to just be building on where I uh, started last week. Um, if you are here last week, I spoke about intimacy with God in the context of uh, dwelling in the secret place, according to what David wrote by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in Psalm 91. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And uh, I'm a big believer in, in, in waiting before the presence of God and being still and seeking the face of God. We don't use the Holy Spirit as a way of getting to an end. He is the end himself. Okay, we don't, we, don't, we don't just try to get God to do something for us and then we move on. It's like God, it's all about Him. And I think that's where many people get it wrong, even in prayer. Because uh, prayer is more intense when we're trying to get God to do something for us as opposed to just when, we're trying, when, we, when we need to be with Him. It's not about getting Him to do things for us, even though He wants to do that. It's about being with Him. And I, didn't, I don't know if I said this last week, but there are three dimensions of prayer I see when Jesus talks about asking you shall receive, seeking you shall find, knocking the door shall be opened unto you. The asking realm is the outer court. The uh, seeking realm is the inner court. And the knocking realm, according to what Jesus is referring to, I see a picture of that, is the holy of holies. And for many Christians, our whole prayer life remains in the outer court. Just asking, and that's, what you, that's all, we, we, uh, all we know. Whereas God is actually wanting us to graduate from the place of just asking to a place of being with him. Uh, not for just what he can do for us, but just for his face. So that's such an important foundation uh, for us to have. For me, that's the foundation of my prayer life. And that's why I seek God, because I want to know God more. Uh, because uh, Paul the Apostle, he wrote most... Paul the Apostle wrote the curriculum of the church. We're still studying the letters right now. And having received revelation from God, the man who wrote about uh, two-thirds of the New Testament, he himself, he said, that I may know him. If Paul said that, who are you to think you've you've arrived? (laughs) There's just so much more that God wants us to discover of who he is. And where you stop is where you stop. There's nothing in the Bible that says we can't walk with God as closely as Paul did or as closely to God as Moses did. There's nothing in the Bible that says that. And oftentimes it's our limitations and our distractions and our lack of hunger, our lack of pursuit, our lack of being with him and seeking him that actually stops us from going deeper. So what I want to speak on this morning is continuation from that, but it's a slightly different dimension of prayer I want to focus on. And I find that sometimes people tend to be in one camp or the other. So I want to start by saying this statement. Uh, we cannot remain in intimacy with God if we don't learn how to exercise authority. And we will not be able to exercise authority effectively if we're not rooted in intimacy. We will not remain in intimacy if we don't exercise authority, and we cannot exercise authority effectively if we're not rooted in intimacy. It's not one or the other, it's both. David was one of those people who knew what it was to walk closely with God in his uh, devotional life. He had an intimate walk with God. And David knew how to love on God. He knew how to be with God. He wrote Psalm 27, which is a, a verse that's dear to my heart. Many of you know, it's one thing I've resided with the Lord and that will I seek, that I may dwell in the presence of the Lord all the days of my life. That was David's goal in his life. That was his one thing, to be with God. He was just going, he was hungry for God. But even though he had a desire for God, you know what else David was able to do? He was able to cut the head off of giants. So David was not just about intimacy with God. He knew how to advance the kingdom as far as it was 
God's um, anointing and responsibility placed on David according to the giftings within David submitted to the Holy Spirit he was able to advance the kingdom of God in authority in his generation and I find that oftentimes in the body of Christ people tend to camp in a place of intimacy with God and not realizing they're called to exercise authority or all they're about is authority and warfare and rebuking the devil but don't actually understand they're called to remain in intimacy are you hearing me Ephesians says be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might be strong in intimacy and be strong in your authority have a revelation of your intimacy with God and your identity comes from that reality and then from that place you can exercise authority remember uh, when Jesus was um, was baptized the father said this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased and then you know the scriptures the enemy came to him and said if you're the son of God turn this stone to bread the first thing the enemy was trying to tend to there was his revelation of his identity in the father because the father said to him you are my son on. Notice when the enemy came to Jesus, uh, actually the father said to, G, uh, to Jesus, you are my beloved son. Notice when the enemy came to Jesus, he missed that one word. If you are the son. He didn't say if you are the beloved son. Because the enemy, was, the enemy does not want you to know that you are the beloved of the father. So Jesus being rooted in that reality did not fall for that, in, for that, for that temptation. Jesus could have fallen for that temptation. Because it wouldn't have been a temptation if Jesus could not have fallen for it, right? Right? Are you awake this evening? So imagine you were there and you saw Jesus turn stone to bread. Because he could have done it, otherwise it wouldn't have been a temptation, right? Imagine you saw Jesus turn stone to bread. You would have posted that online, shared it with your friends, and it's all over the news. Check out this man of God that turns stone to bread. In fact, that could have been the start of the Stone to Bread Ministries International. <laughs> because right there, you're seeing a miracle you've never seen before. And here is Jesus performing a great sign, but you would not have realized he would have been doing that out of a dysfunction in his identity. Because he would have been functioning from a place of doing to prove who he was. As opposed to living from who he was in the Father. He didn't need to prove who he was. That's why he said, that's why he was able to resist the enemy. Because he was already rooted in the identity of who he was. The enemy's temptation was, was to him was, prove to me that you are who the Father said you are by doing this. Some of you are still trying to prove who you are by the things you're doing. <laughs> and God is like, you have to learn how to be. You're not called uh, to just do evangelism you're called to be an evangelist you're called to you're called to be a witness not just do witnessing it, it's about being are you hearing me we focus so much on the doing we don't realize we have to be and the, to be you have to be rooted in intimacy and in the place of intimacy is where identity comes and uh, when we start to be rooted in that place there are all the dimensions of prayer that God starts to expose us to and that's one of the things I want to talk on this morning, because I mean, this morning, this evening, because <laughs> because uh, I realize in the in the body of Christ, there's a real ignorance about the reality of the spiritual realm. And there are many believers who call themselves believers, but they're actually unbelieving believers, and they don't realize the activity that goes on in the spiritual realm when we gather like this, or the activity that goes on in the spiritual realm when you get on your own to pray. And the ignorance of that realm is robbing us of effectiveness in prayer and intercession. And today I want to start with this scripture in Mark 4, 
35. On the same day when evening had come, Jesus said to his disciples, let us cross over to the other side. I'm going to stop there for a sec. Now, Jesus released a command to his disciples because they were about to transition seasons. Everyone said they're about to transition seasons. They're moving from one side to the other side. And when you look in scripture, you see, when they cross the Red Sea, they transition in their relationship with the Father. They transition in their understanding and revelation of who God was. On one side of the Red Sea, they were slaves. On the other side of the Red Sea, they were delivered. And they had a new dimension of revelation. When they were going to cross over from the desert, okay, into the promised land, when they crossed over Jordan, on one side of, uh, of, uh, of, of the Jordan, manna fell from heaven. On the other side of the Jordan, they step into the promised land. As soon as their feet hit the promised land, you know what happens? Manna stops falling from heaven. And now, the scripture says, it's a land flowing with milk and honey. Do you realize in the promised land, you don't see milk and honey flowing down the streets? But that's what the Bible says. Because it's a land where they actually had responsibility to work the land. So they're stepping into a different dimension in their relationship with God. Because for many years, provision just fell from heaven. As they step into this next season, provision stops falling from heaven. Now they have to work the land, and it's the promised land. And listen, God reserved some giants for them in the promised land. Some Christians think you step into the promise of God, everything is always easy. That's a lie. God reserved some giants for them to fight in that promised land. It wasn't a case of they just stepped into the promised land and everything was just easy. No, no, no. As we're going to see in this scripture. So when he says, let's cross over to the other side, prophetically, I want to say to Katie, God is saying to you, Katie, it's time to cross over to the other side. You've been on one side for too long. You've been in one dimension of understanding who God is and one dimension of understanding the kingdom for too long because the, God is constantly revealing himself. And if you just stay in one place, you don't progress and you, stay, you end up being stale and you end up actually killing the move of God. Oftentimes, what tends to kill the move of God is the previous move of God. What tends to kill the current move of God is the previous move of God. The fact that God moved one way in the previous season does not mean it's going to move that way in this season. You have to have an ear in ear. Your relationship has to be current. It says faith comes by hearing and hearing, not having heard, hearing, not present tense. If Abraham did not carry on listening to God, he would have killed Isaac. God said, kill him, and then God said, stop. What if Abraham only listened to the kill him? I was like, okay, that's it. And he would not have heard the current word. Some people are running with a word God said in the previous season, but I'm not realizing God is speaking something else now. Not that it's contradicting that. He's just moving dimensions. Are you hearing me today? So it's time to cross over. Someone say cross over. It's time to shift. It's time to be open. It's time to be flexible. If you're not flexible in your relationship with God, you'll end up breaking. Because you, God wants to mold and shape you, but you're so rigid and want to do it your own way, you're not going to step into the new dimension. God wants to do something different in this season. And sometimes you, God offends your, 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 your flesh to reveal your heart. He does things that you're like, God, why are you doing this? But he's trying to show you that your heart is not fully aligned. And it's time for you to say, Lord, deal with my heart. Shape me, mold me. I want the new wine skin. Shape me so I can handle the new wine. I don't want to get stuck in the old move while you're doing something else different. Are you hearing me right now? You don't want to get stuck in that. So it's time to cross over. Someone say cross over. I believe that's a prophetic word to you even as a church right now. Leave the old and step into the new. We prayed it just then. God is doing a new thing. 
And your responsibility is to have a hearing ear. Lord, what are you doing right now? I want to tune into it. What are you saying right now? I want to obey. I want to follow, Lord. I just want to be in line with what you're saying and what you're doing. Some people are living off past revelations and don't realize, no, that that's not relevant anymore. But God has moved from that place. He's built on that and you're still stuck there and you're trying to kill Isaac. In fact, you've already killed Isaac now. He needs resurrection. Because God said, kill him. And all you've done is kill. You don't realize God said, stop now. And God is like, I'm shifting you into new seasons. And this one of the things that happens, when God is shifting you into seasons, things start to accelerate and stir in the realm of the Spirit. And we're going to talk about realm of the Spirit shortly. But here are the disciples. Uh, they're crossing over verse 36. Now, when they had left the multitudes, they took Jesus in the boat. And all the little boats were with him. Verse 37. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that it was already filling. But he was stern asleep on a pillow, and they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? And he arose and rebuked the wind. Note that. He arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? See, they are following the directive God gave them. Jesus told them, cross over. They're obeying Jesus, and here comes this storm. I don't know what it is about believers that think, because you're doing what God called you to do, you're not going to face any storms in the midst of your obedience. The fact that there is a storm being stirred is not a sign of disobedience. It's actually a sign of obedience. Now, there are different types of storm. This storm came as a result of obedience. There are some other storms that come as a result of disobedience. Hello, Jonah. When God told you to go one way and you went another way and here comes a storm, that storm has come because of your disobedience. Now, this storm did not come as a result of their, as a result, as a result of their disobedience. They're obeying God and here they are facing, listen, they're in the perfect will of God for their life. Yeah, facing the perfect storm of their life. Everything is against them. Now, this storm, I want you to see that this storm is not ordinary. This storm has a spiritual dimension to it. And for those that are just physical world conscious, you end up reacting to things because you're not discerning what is going on in the realm of the spirit. Your prayerlessness manifests in your lack of discernment. Because prayer amplifies the virtues of God within you and you begin to discern the change of season and you begin to discern what are the source of things going on. Many Christians have no discernment. Now when I say discernment, I don't mean the spirit of suspicion where you're calling everyone a witch and you're calling this one a devil and, calling, and trying to cast the demon out of the cup of tea. I'm not talking about that kind of craziness. I'm talking about the inward witness because you're dwelling in the secret place, you're able to discern things that are from another realm and not from his realm. And you're able to discern where, where the source of things. And because you can discern that, you can react accordingly. The disciples did not discern the source of this storm. This storm was a demonic storm. Why? According to Matthew's uh, testimony of this particular incident, Matthew said, suddenly. So this storm came out of nowhere. Now, the disciples, they are experienced fishermen. They run businesses, right? They run businesses. They should have been able to read the weather before they set out. One, two, they experienced fishermen feeling like they're about to die. 
This is not just ordinary. In addition to that, you have to read on to chapter 5 and see what was going on on the other side of the storm. There's a guy on the other side of the storm. He calls himself, what, legion. Do you know what legion means? 3,000 foot soldiers and 3,000 horsemen. One guy is possessed by about 6,000 demons. Okay, let me just make this clear. Because when you talk about demons and the reality of things in the spiritual world, people get scared. I want to make this announcement loud and clear. Heaven is real. Hell is real. Demons are real. Angels are real. Get over it. The Bible is full of lots of stories, not just stories of something that happened out there, something that really did happen. So this is not just an ideal, this, this is an actual event that did happen. This guy was possessed by about 6,000 6, demons. Now, you might want to ask me of your Western mind, how is that possible? One of our problems in the West is we're so much driven by the reality of this physical world, we have no concept or understanding of the possibilities and the dimensions available in the realm of the spirits. I don't know how this is possible. It boggles my natural mind, but there's a, there's a verse in Proverbs 25 that refers to the spirit of a man like a city. Like, so it, it, it's comparing the spirit of a man to a city. So are you telling me that the, the spiritual capacity that we have as individuals is far wider and bigger than our minds can comprehend? Because how can so many demons live in one guy? I don't understand that. And there's no way all these demons can live in this guy. And those demons not have what I call territorial influence. They picked up by demonic intelligence that Jesus is on his way. So you know what they want to They want to drown the deliverer before he brings deliverance. So now they're stirring up this crazy storm to cause a commotion so that deliverer is drowned and the guy on the other side does not experience deliverance. See, when you even examine that guy, you find that the demons in that guy were not just uh, in that guy just for him sake. They had a connection to that territory. Because when Jesus was going to cast them out, you know what they said? They said, Jesus, don't cast us out from this region. They said, cast us into the pigs. And Jesus cast them out. They went into the pigs. The pigs died. Listen, the fact that the pigs died does not mean the spirits died. <laughs> the pigs died, but the spirits still live. Why did the spirit want to stay in the region? Because the people of the region had an affinity and a connection to those, spirit, to those spirits. So when Jesus now delivered the guy, you know what the people in the region said? Jesus, we don't want you here anymore. See, revival is God's arrival. Jesus shows up and they're like, Jesus, we don't want you. You know why? Because they're bound to the spirit that's ruling in that region that doesn't want to leave that region because of their mindset. A lot of demonic uh, oppression oftentimes is connected to people's ideologies and people's mindset. That's why when you get saved, the Bible says you renew your mind, according to Romans 12, by the word of God. Some of you are struggling with certain kinds of oppression and it's because your mind has not been renewed according to the way God wants you to think. You're not thinking like a heavenly man or heavenly woman. You're thinking like a carnal man and a carnal woman. And the word of God comes to begin to bring a reordering of your mindset. Begin to bring a reordering of your emotions. I'm not just teaching you something that sounds good. I've lived this. 
I know the reality of my emotions being occupied in demonic activities. I know the reality of my emotions being occupied in the fire of God. Any day, I'll choose the presence and the fire of God. God cares about how you feel, you know. I know we say as preachers oftentimes that, you know, it's not about your feelings. That's true because many Christians live by their feelings. However, God also cares about your feelings because the Bible says the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Righteousness is about your right standing with God. Peace and joy affects your emotions. You can't tell me you have peace and joy and it's not evident in your soul. It's not just a deposit in your spirit. It translates into your emotions. So don't tell me God doesn't care about how you feel. So when your emotions are tied up in demonic realities, it's time to begin to cry and say, Lord, whatever is going on, I'm asking for realignment. Let my emotions align with the emotions of heaven. I'm telling you. Because some of you are engaging in things that are hindering God's purposes for your life because your soulish realm is contaminated with evil agendas and emotions but you've not actually discerned enough to start to pray Lord cause my heart to be aligned with your heart you know Lord give me your desires where my desires have gone astray change my appetite Lord I want to have your desires I want to hate what you hate and I want to love what you love I'm telling you this is so significant right now the disciples are going through a storm and have no idea the magnitude in terms of where the soul of the storm and here is Jesus he's asleep <laughs> just chilling out you know you have authority over the storm if you can sleep in it <laughs> the disciples could not deal with the storm you know why because the storm had got into them Jesus could deal with the storm you know why because it came from the place of peace <laughs> we don't understand even dimensions of advancing the kingdom of God Spiritual warfare is not always about rebuking the devil. Some people think you always have to rebuke them. Now, I do believe in resisting because the Bible teaches that. But there are dimensions you walk in where your peace becomes a warfare because the God of peace would crush the enemy under his feet. See, you've got to understand that peace is a form of warfare. And even holiness and living right is a form of warfare. When you're living right and you're living from the place of dwelling in his presence, your presence becomes a rebuke to the devil everywhere you go. So you may go into a shop and you may go into the wherever, to your workplace, and someone is instantly mad at you. And you're trying to say it's racism. Have you ever realized? Listen, listen. Have you considered the fact that it could be that the presence you're carrying is agitating their demons. So you're trying to react in the natural. No realize there's a, there's a spiritual clash going on. Because when you're carrying the presence of God, your presence becomes a rebuke to the devil. See, when you're powerful in the spirit realm, your mouth cannot be the only thing doing the speaking for you. Your presence releases things in the atmosphere because of where you're coming from. See, Jesus was praying on the mountaintop. The disciples, this is another story, in Matthew 14, they were struggling to get over to the other side. Again, another kind of storm. They're struggling. For hours, they're struggling to go over to the other side because he told them to get over. And he's on the mountaintop praying. He prayed for hours through the night. About 3, 4 a.m. in the morning, comes off the mountain. He's walking on water. They are struggling in the water, and he's walking on it. 
He is able to walk on what others are drowning in because of where he was coming from. From the presence. When you're coming from the reality of the presence, you're able to do impossible things that just come naturally, but all of a sudden other people are struggling in that same thing. So spiritual warfare is not about, I rebuke, now don't get me wrong, there's a place to resist, and in fact, I'll come to that in a moment, but the greater reality is the mindset, a revelation of your identity, and the reality of intimacy. Starting from that place, you're at great advantage. Many Christians are just trying to go through the motions, but don't actually live the reality in their lifestyle. So they're speaking words, but the words have no authority behind it. Remember, Jesus says, the words I speak, they are spirit. Jesus is saying, the words I'm speaking to you have spiritual substance. They have great potency. And they're able to change things because the words, they're not coming from intellect. Jesus is saying, they're coming from a spiritual realm and they carry life and power. Listen, two Christians can say the same thing. And one says it and there's power. The other says it and there's nothing happening. What's going on? Because there's life and there's something else behind the words. It's not about the articulate words. I said this last week. Prayer is not about being able to release articulate prayers. You can speak all the articulate prayers you want. But there's no authority shifting anything. Because there's no reality and identity and intimacy. So you're just releasing empty words. Whereas somebody else comes and they don't even have the right words. Just a cry and boom, there's explosions going on. Because of where they're coming from. So here you have Jesus. He's asleep and the disciples are freaking out. Look at the storm. Made up of two things. The waves and the wind. Everyone say the waves. waves. And the wind. wind. Right. The wind is the unseen. The wind was causing a manifestation in the seen realm. The unseen was troubling the same. The disciples could feel the unseen, but they could see the same coming in. The, the, their boat were, was filling with water. This is where you see the dynamic of how the spiritual realm influences and affects the physical realm. Where many Christians are ignorant. And you know what the Bible says? Do not be ignorant of the devices it didn't say the device. Devices of the enemy. So the enemy has devices. Now, before we even go deep into this, listen. The enemy is not the opposite of God. The fight is not between Satan and God because God has no opposites. Okay, so it's not like God is trying to struggle with the enemy. No, no, no. There has been no struggle. The enemy tried to oppose God and he was kicked out of heaven. So the battle is not between God and the devil. It's more between the enemy and the people of God. Because we're made in the image of God. So the enemy wants to get to God by getting to us. Are you hearing me? That's why God came as us to defeat him and show us that we already have authority over the enemy. So when we are praying from a place of intimacy and identity, we're not actually praying for victory. We're praying from victory. Because we have already won. That's why it boggles my mind when you're a Christian... And you're not able to sleep in the dark because you're scared of the dark. <laughs> and don't laugh because that's the reality for many people. You're struggling with fear. And there are many people here right now, you're struggling with fear. That is of the enemy. You're struggling with all these things that do not belong to the kingdom of God, but belong to the kingdom of darkness. And so now you're running away. The enemy shows up and you're running away. 
Have you realized in the armor of God in Ephesians 6, there is no covering for your backside? Do you know why? Because you're never supposed to turn your back and run. You were built to advance. You were built to confront. And the Bible says, even having done all to stand, if you're struggling to advance, you, you stand your ground. Many Christians are running away. Listen, the Bible says in Ephesians that we're seated in heavenly places. It didn't say above. It didn't say above. It says far. Everyone say far. far. So it's not just like we're slightly above the powers of darkness. Above, maybe next time you're addressing the powers of darkness, you should be looking down because you're far above. Anything under your feet should not dominate your head. He's under, he's under. He tries to trick you, he tries to trick the church, tries to bring confusion because the enemy is the master of the sensual realm. So he manipulates senses and brings about deceptions to cause you to buy into his agenda. And once you agree with him, he has authority. He has no authority apart from the one that you gave him. So he's trying to manipulate your senses. But you have to have a revelation of who you are and whose you are. And that reality does not come because the pastor said it or because James said it. It comes from a revelation of intimacy with God. I cannot give you my intimacy. You're going to have to find your own. You're going to have to find your place. And, you know, people are going from, from conference to conference. Pastor, lay your hands on me. Lay your legs on me. Lay, just want, they want every, everything. It like the, the anointing. Listen, there's some level of deliverance that can come by laying of hands. And I believe in that. However, God wants you to be a warrior. You're trying to find the quick way out. And God is trying to train your, hand, your hands to Listen, the battle oftentimes not so much about you as about the people you're called to impact. As you will see with this guy who had all the demons in him, when he got delivered, you know what happened? He became an evangelist. He went to 10 cities and released revival in 10 cities. So actually, the demonic oppression and possession was not so much about him as it was about the 10 cities that had revival. He had revival in him for 10 cities. So the storm of his life was not so much about him as, opposed, as it was about the people he was called to impact. There are people in here, you're sat there, but what's actually sat there is South Africa. What's sat there is India. What's sat there is, I, I don't know, name the countries, China. What's sat there is Hong Kong. And because your destiny is connected to multitudes in those nations. So you are being locked down because when you arise, those multitudes will also arise. <laughs> are, you, are you hearing me right now? So the, there's a story in a battle even about the destiny of this church. Because there is many people's destinies connected to this destiny. And if this church does not full, flow in the fullness of what God has called it to flow in, there's some people that will not recover or will not step into the manifestation of who they're called to be. <laughs> are you hearing me today? You owe this generation the fire of God burning in you. And I do. Because when we're not on fire, the people that we're meant to impact, when we get around them, they don't feel the fire because of our compromise and lukewarmness. So we rob them of an encounter because of our compromise. How sad. And some of us will not realize this until we get to heaven and God gives us a playback. And you're thinking, oh my goodness, how did I waste my life on all that? When I had all these opportunities to me, there is so much more that God wants to do through us. 
So here you have the spiritual realm interacting with the physical realm. This reality for me and the revelation of this is at the root of a lot of my understanding of intercession and spiritual warfare. And many people lack this revelation. So when they're praying, or when, they, when the pastor says we're going to pray, and they call a prayer and fasting meeting or whatever, their um, desire level to engage with that is so low because they're lacking the revelation of the significance of the spiritual realm. Let me say this loud and clear. The spiritual realm is more real than this realm. And I know some of you said amen, but many of you don't see it. Because all you've known is this physical realm. Do you realize the essence of who you are is not physical? When God created Adam, he formed him from the dust of, his, of the earth. That was Adam's shell. Adam was not in there until God released the life from himself into that shell and Adam became a living being. Where was Adam before he got into that shell? He was in God. God is spirit. And God is eternal. So what made Adam, Adam was not the shell. It was the spirit that came from God. And that spirit is eternal. The real you is not a body. The real you is a spiritual being. You're just living in your body. Your body is going to pass away one day. But that's the, that doesn't mean you cease to exist. Newsflash, every human being is going to live forever. It's just a matter of where. Because the, the essence of life came from God. And that is spirit. You're not just, you're not a body. You're a spiritual being that has a soul. And the soul and the spirit are so intertwined. See, when Jesus died... It said he gave up the ghost. He didn't say he gave up the ghosts. Right? The ghost. So his body died, but he released the spiritual, his spiritual being came out. And in that was his, his soul. It wasn't like the soul was a separate thing to his body. I mean, to his spirit. It wasn't, that's why Hebrew says, the word of God is sharp and powerful. Even, everyone say even. Even to the dividing of the soul and the spirit. Because the soul and the spirit are so intertwined. Are you hearing me? Yeah. <laughs> so, Adam was not in the shell until God breathed his life into that shell. Then Adam became a living soul. So, Adam was in God before he got into his shell. Now, we read in John, in the, in the Gospel of John, that God is spirit. And also, we read in Hebrews 11, I believe, where it talks about the faith. That it says, by faith... We know that the worlds were framed. Listen to this. For the things that are seen were made from things unseen. So the things that we see in the natural world came from a spiritual world. Everything in this natural world has its source and has its origin in the spiritual world. That means the spiritual world is the parent realm to this realm. So many of people are trying to change things in this realm by just great organizational skills and great communication skills and great singing ability and the ability to play the keyboard. They're trying to impress things in this realm, but they're not doing their homework in the realm that matters because that realm impacts this realm. 
So if you want to change this realm in a lasting way, you have to do your homework in that realm. It's like the shadow my hand is casting on this pulpit thing right now. The shadow is just the reflection. The shadow is not my hand. Imagine if I'm trying to move the shadow around by moving the shadow around. If I want to move the shadow, I have to move the thing that's casting the shadow. And that's the picture of how this physical realm can be like a shadow to the spiritual world. How do you think miracles happen? How is Jesus able to walk on water? Because the laws of the spiritual realm were able to override the laws of physics. Because he was able to shift things in the realm of the spirit. So now he's able to do impossible things in the physical realm. A miracle happens when the realm of the spirit collides with this realm and changes the laws of this realm. But as opposed to you just trying to do everything in this realm, you need to engage the realm of the spirit. And there are no shortcuts to engage in that realm. It's prayer. It's worship. It's the presence of God. It's seeking it. There is no, and many Christians don't want to engage in this activity. They want someone else to do it for them. Listen, you cannot outsource your prayer life to the prayer lady at the back of the church that likes to pray. Oh, just pray for me. No, no, no. You've got to dig your own well. <laughs> and you've got you've to let that rip. And it's going to take some time. Which is what we don't want. We want it so quick. Microwave generation. But it's going to take some time. The spiritual realm is the parent realm to this realm. And look at what Jesus did when he got up. Jesus rebuked the wind. Jesus did not rebuke the sea. Verse 39. He arose. He rebuked the wind. And he said to the sea, peace be still. He rebuked the invisible. And he spoke peace to the visible. Have you been getting angry at the wrong thing? Have you been getting angry at the spouse, the boss, the child? Have you considered another realm? Influencing emotions in this realm? Some of you are struggling with all kinds of demonic activities at night. And oppression in the nighttime, darkness. In fact, you go to bed one way, you have a dream, you wake up, and your emotions are completely different. Because something happened in the dream that was not just a dream. It was engaging with the realm of the spirit. I've had dreams where I knew it wasn't just dreams. Right here in London, I was speaking at a church. After the meeting, I went to the hotel. I've always learned to pray over rooms before I sleep. Anyway, prayed and went to bed. I had a dream. And the dream, I was in the room in the dream. And a spirit, a perverse spirit came to me in the dream as I'm in the room. And it's kind of like a, a spirit of seduction talking to me in the dream. Not just talking nonsense, talking the word of God. And in the dream, I'm thinking, this is not right. And out of me, I just said, you have to leave now. And this spirit wouldn't leave. And out of me, I came, I take authority over you. You have to leave. The spirit starts to shake. <laughs> this is the part I love. And I says, and the spirit starts to run away. And I says, and I release the fire of God against you. Out of my chest in the dream came a fire. Impact the spirit, it disintegrates in front of me. And I woke up. Wow. How many realize I woke up a happy man? <laughs> because that was not just a dream. It was something going on in the realm of the spirit. 
And because my spirit was strong, when I went to bed and my physical body was sleeping, my spirit was fighting. Some people, you're not engaging the presence of God. You're not spending time with God. So you're, you're not feeding your spirit what it needs. So your spirit is so weak. So when battles show up in the realm of the spirit, oftentimes when you sleep, you know what happens? You're the one that's been oppressed. You're not the one doing the oppression. You're not the one victorious. You're the one that's under. Because something is off. Something needs to shift in your spirit. And you need to have a revelation of who you are. And I mean, there, there's so many levels to this. But I really feel like what the Lord is wanting to highlight to us is the reality of the spiritual realm, especially in the place of prayer. And I want to use this illustration to help you, to help you understand that when you gather like this as a church, to pray or when you're in your room by yourself and you're like god i want to seek your face you need to understand that there is a lot more going on than your senses can sometimes feel or that your eyes can see you start to pray and it feels dead you start to pray and it feels boring you start to pray and you even fall asleep but you have no idea someone's laughing because it's true <laughs> i've been there you have no idea what is going to so you think you know what this prayer is not as powerful as that pastor over there. You know, I think I'm just a rubbish prayer person and you just forget about it. That's because you don't have a revelation of what's going on. How many of you have been to the cinema or watched a movie, a sci-fi movie? When I say a sci-fi movie, it's like these movies that have incredible graphic effects and sound effects. The visuals look so incredible and stunning. I'm very impressed by things like that. And I'm thinking, how did they do that? Anyone understand what I'm talking about? Next time you watch those movies, you're probably going to remember this illustration because if you watch those movies and you watch the making of the movie, you see the behind the scenes. In the behind the scenes, you see the actor. Now, in the movie, when you watch the movie, the actor had all this gear on him and when he moved his hand, some laser beam came out of him and when he did this, some kind of crazy ballistic missile came out of his feet. So you're like, but how did that happen? When you watch the making of the movie, the actor is some, mostly, he's behind something called a green screen. And the green screen is just a blank screen, and the director tells the actor, actor, you're gonna move your hand, and when you move your hand, you gotta realize that in the final production, out of your hand is gonna come a missile. And that missile is gonna impact the enemy. So when you move your hand, you have to act like you believe that missile has come out of you. Because when the final production is done, when your hand is moving on the cinema screen, a missile is actually coming out of you. Welcome to the ministry of prayer and intercession. Listen, when you pray in the natural, it feels like nothing is happening. But in the realm of the spirit, the sound effects have been added. In the realm of the spirit, the graphic effects have been added. So you lifted your hands and said, God, I praise you. And out of your hands came an intercontinental ballistic missile. You were stamping your feet and saying, Lord, I praise you. And what was coming out of your feet was earthquakes. But you didn't see anything or you felt nothing. So you felt nothing was happening. But in the realm of the spirit, all the effects have been added. Listen, prayer is epic. If you realize... 
that there is a lot more going on than your eyes can see. There are angels at work and there are demons at work and you need revelation to engage with the spirit of God, to advance the purposes of God. Not just go through the act of, of the, the, the motion of saying words but not praying. A casual approach to prayer is producing casualties. Because you're just taking it so lightly. So it's like, well, I guess you don't really take your destiny seriously. You're not taking the purpose of God in this land seriously. You just think, oh yeah, well, whatever it will be, will be. You don't realize your words have power. When Jesus got out of sleep, he rebuked the wind. He didn't keep quiet. You see, when Jesus, Jesus says, when you pray, say. He didn't say when you pray, think. Now, don't get me wrong. I believe in waiting on God and being still and saying nothing. There are times when I'm in the presence of God. However... Many Christians don't know when to speak. The enemy is bombarding you with junk and you're just keeping quiet. <laughs> Do you realize there are thoughts that come into your head that's not your thoughts? It sounds like you, but it's the enemy imitating you to you. So that he can get your agreement. And once you agree, boom, he has influence. So there are things that enter your mind that are not from you, they're from another realm because you're a spiritual being and you're picking up spiritual signals and you have no idea, you just picked up on a demonic signal, entered your mind and you're like, yes, I agree with that and you've given the enemy influence in that situation. That's why Jesus could say to Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. Jesus said that to Peter because he wasn't talking to Peter. Peter had picked up on a signal from the realm of the spirit and became a channel for communicating the agenda of the devil. Peter had no idea, but Jesus discerned that those words were from another realm. So he says, get thee behind me, Satan. How many times have you been embracing things from the realm of darkness? Christians cursing one another, not even realizing that they're, they're being used as channels to release all this negative junk over over each other because now the enemy has hijacked their senses and hijacked their mouth and hijacked their mind and now the enemy is working through them and another Christian hears all that junk and in their spirit they're not resisting they're just taking it in oftentimes what you don't consciously stand against you end up subconsciously being influenced by I believe there is a need for an awakening in the body of Christ when you start to understand the reality of the spiritual world, I don't see how that's not going to cause you to want to engage in spiritual activities more, like prayer. The people on the dark side, i.e., the witches, don't get freaked out because they're witches, real. They're people with agendas to hinder and, and resist and frustrates the purposes of God in London. Their agenda is to frustrate the purposes of God in this church. Again, I'm not saying go witch hunting and trying to call everyone a witch out. I'm not trying to say that. I'm trying to say you've got to realize there are, there are battles going on in the realm of the spirit about the destiny of this church and the destiny of your, li your life. And you are there just sleeping and no engage. Listen, I don't know if you heard the story of the pastor who was on the plane. He's on the plane and they're serving food. They're serving food. This person sat next to him isn't eating. So he turns and just making conversation. Hey, oh, you're not eating. You know what the person says? Oh, the pastor is eating. The other person is not eating. He says, oh, I I'm a witch. And we're currently on a fast to break pastors' homes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
and there you are, the pastor you're eating. <laughs> listen, listen. The people on the dark side understand the power in the realm of the spirit, and they use it negatively. How much more we that are far above, and we're asleep, not fasting, not praying, because we don't understand the power that's within us, that God has invested in us, because of our lack of revelation of our identity. You don't know who you are, so you're just you're wasting your life in all kinds of ways, apart from achieving the purpose God has called you to.